congregation, let us read together from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 12, questions and answers 31 and 32. Why is he called Christ that is anointed? Answer, because he is ordained of God the Father and anointed with the Holy Ghost to be our chief prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption and to be our only high priest who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and makes continual intercession with the Father for us, and also to be our eternal King, who governs us by his word and spirit, and who defends and preserves us in the enjoyment of that salvation he has purchased for us. But why art thou called a Christian? Because I am a member of Christ by faith, and thus am partaker of his anointing, that so I may confess his name and present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, and also that with a free and good conscience I may fight against sin and Satan in this life, and afterwards reign with him eternally over all creatures. So far. Congregation, the theme for tonight, the three offices of Christ. The three offices of Christ. And with the help of the Lord, three main thoughts, all three divided by three. So three times three. In the first place, what is the prophet? Who is the prophet? And living as a prophet? Secondly, what is a priest? Who is the priest? And what is it to live as a priest? And thirdly, what is a king? Who is the king? And living as the king. You see that, the, the, uh, that I have subdivided the thoughts in the same way? The three officers of Christ. What is the prophet? Who is the prophet? Living as the prophet. The first three about the prophet. Next three are the priest. What is the priest? Who is the priest? What is it to live as a priest? In the third place, what is the king? Who is the king? And what is it to live as a king? So to, today we dwell on what is the most essential for a Christian. What do you think it is, young people, children? What defines a Christian? Why do we call Christians Christians and not something else? Well, of course, because of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And he is the head of all God's people. Obviously, it is Christ. Not the name Christ. The word Christ is not a name. 
We call him Christ. It's not a name. It's a title. You know, a name can be given to anyone. The name John can be given to, to all people. But when we talk about a teacher, then we say, oh, a teacher, not, not everyone is a teacher. So a teacher is, is called to teach, is informed, is intelligent, has a gift to teach, has a gift to love the subject and loves also to convey the messages to the people. So to be a teacher is uh, a title. And so Christ is also a title, not a name. Jesus is a name. Christ is a title. Christ is the same word, translation of the word Messiah in the Old Testament. Messiah. And what does Messiah mean? Messiah means anointed. So we have three words. Anointed, Christ, Messiah. And those three words are all the same. In the Hebrew language, in the Jewish people talk about the Messiah. In the Greek language, we say Christ. In the English language, we say anointed. In the Dutch language, we say gezalfde. It is a word chosen by God. But you know, I understand that young people don't even know the word anointed anymore. Christ means anointed, they say. What is anointed? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary and it says to rub. To rub something in your hands, cream or so. Or to smear. Or to daub. Or to oil. Or to massage. Or to spread. So someone who is anointed has some oil on his head, has been poured, has been anointed with that oil. People use that against the sun and to keep their skin supple and soft. But anointing was also used in a ritual way. And someone became a king or a priest or a prophet. Consider Saul. Samuel took a vial of oil. 1 Samuel 10. Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed thee? to be captain over his inheritance. So the prophet Samuel anointed Saul, and he said, the Lord has chosen you, has anointed you, and therefore I pour this on you, and therefore I embrace and kiss you, because he has made you anointed. So Saul was anointed by Samuel, but it was God's choice. In in fact, Saul was anointed by the Lord and officially called the anointed of the Lord. Saul, not David only, also Saul is called the anointed of the Lord. This was a title. Later, King David had a few opportunities to kill Saul. 
As you know, Saul was after David. And David met him in the cave. And he could easily have killed him. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Two times. No, no, David said. I can't do that. I cannot kill this man. He has been anointed by the Lord. He is the anointed of the Lord. I respect that. I can't kill him. I let the Lord fight for me. Being anointed, therefore, means that you are a chosen one of God. But there's more. Let me quote a text and see if you can find an answer to the question. What else it means to be anointed? We saw it was to be chosen by the Lord. What else? Well, let me read this and find the answer. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. Then Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forth. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Did you hear it? She was anointed, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. So as was anointed, was chosen, also enabled, also equipped, also gifted with the Spirit. So the oil so someone said was, was kind of a comfort. The Lord saying, you don't have to do it yourself. I will make you a fisher of men. I will anoint you. I will equip you. So what did it mean to someone like David to be anointed? He was chosen and equipped to be a king of Israel. Other anointed to be a prophet and a priest. He was anointed to be a king. And these three offices are all three meditorial offices. All in-between offices. God is so high, so infinite. How can God communicate and deal with sinful people? The Lord is using kings, using prophets, using priests to have a relationship and to get things across and to also guide them. However, all the kings... All the priests, all the prophets in the Old Testament were deeply flawed. None of them was perfect. Nobody could really do the work. They were anointed. There's so many weaknesses. David and Solomon and Saul and Abiathar and Daniel and Jonah. And they had a beautiful office. They were called by the Lord and anointed. Equipped and gifted, and yet in the Old Testament they're looking for the Messiah, the prophet, priest, and king in one. So that is the background. 
of Lord's Day 12. Three offices, all appointed by God and gifted by God, brings to the first thought. Both this prophet, who is the prophet, and both this is to live as a prophet. A prophet is someone who is called by God to convey God's message. To tell people, so speak the Lord. In Hebrew, the word is nabi. Nabi means to be called or to call. It's both. To be called by the Lord to do the work. And then you call people. You call out to people. You speak to people. It's the speaker and he has been spoken to. The Nabi. In the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament, it is translated with prophetess. So the prophet is the Greek word for the Nabi. He is a speaker, especially. But the wonder that the Lord is still willing to communicate and that he is giving warnings and speaks the truth and the gospel and threatens and invites sinners. So a prophet is someone called by God to speak on God's behalf to the people, to show the way of salvation especially, to say, see the Lord and live. Look upon me and be saved. I have no pleasure in your death. Turn ye, turn ye. The prophets pointed away from himself. So prophet is someone conveying the message from the sender. However, the Lord Jesus spoke on his own authority. The other, the other prophets spoke on God's behalf. And they had to say, so speak the Lord, but say the Lord. Lord Jesus never said that. He never said, so say the Lord. Because he spoke on his own authority. And he said simply, I say unto you. See the difference? The word of the Lord came to the prophet. But he spoke in his own authority. Prophets. Christ was the prophet. The second part of the first talk. The prophet. You've talked about prophets in general, but now this prophet. I read in Hebrews 1, God, where sundry times saying divers men spake in the times past unto the fathers by the prophets, in the past the Lord spoke to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So the Lord Jesus is the prophet. And he makes all the other prophets absolute. Even Moses speaks about that already in Deuteronomy 18. 
The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. I will raise him up a prophet from among the brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. So the Lord spoke to Moses, Moses, their prophets, there will be a prophet like you, and he will be the supreme prophet, the chief prophet. So was the Lord Jesus anointed as prophet? He's called anointed. Then was he anointed? And with what was he anointed? And what was the result of that anointing? That is so beautiful. Let me answer that. By whom has the Lord Jesus been anointed? By his own father. Think of his baptism. With the dove coming down from heaven. And the voice that he heard. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That at the time his ministry began to be a prophet, priest and king. And with what was he anointed? Let me just mention the text again, and you try to find the answer there. With what was Jesus anointed? With oil or something else? Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. So he was anointed with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon the Lord Jesus. And he was anointed with a purpose, to preach Good tidings unto the meek. He can do that. He is so gifted in that. The prophet, the Lord Jesus, has been anointed by the Spirit, by his Father. And therefore he is able to give that good tidings, to preach the good tidings to the meek. He brings to the heart so that they understand and so that they hear it and are comforted by it and Receive faith through it. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You always wonder. Any brokenhearted ones in church tonight? Broken at the, at the end of their, of, the, of, the, of their ability? Not being able to save themselves? Brokenhearted and feeling that they're in captivity and cannot get out of the prison. But this Lord Jesus is the one who is able to do that because he was anointed. None is so gifted as Jesus, the prophet. He knows how to bring the message across. Christ is God's mouth. He proclaims the word. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and nothing can possibly satisfy so much as his word. So if you'd like to know the way of salvation, open that Bible and pray to the teacher. Pray to the prophet. Pray to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, thou hast been anointed to do this work. That thou hast been gifted to also bring it to the heart or bring it to my heart because he is the one who can do it. Do you want to know the way of salvation? How to become prepared? Are you confused? Turn to him. Seek it and ask him. He knows. He is not, not a false prophet. He's genuine, upright, not deceiving anyone. He can do it. Still in our first thought. A prophet? What is a prophet? And who is the prophet? And now living as a prophet. What is it to be a Christian? A Christian has been anointed as well because he is in Christ. So if someone is in Christ, then everything that applies to Christ applies to him or her. I'm crucified with Christ. It means when Christ was crucified, I was crucified with him. And so when Christ was anointed, then God's people anointed in him. Then you see the same anointing. Question 32. Why art thou called Christian? Because I am a member of Christ by faith and am partaker of his anointing. See? Christians, God's people, are partakers of his anointing. So they become prophets as well. Yes, I mean it. I mean it. God's people become prophets. Not as Christ does, but indirectly. And you also have a desire to speak, to sing, to witness, to evangelize. Though you always give deep concerns about your own soul, but also concern for others. And you begin to speak about those things to others. And you feel the need to open your mouth. It's a burden to you. The following text is especially practice for pastors, but not, not, not only. 1 Corinthians 9. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. It's true for pastors. They feel time again that urgency that they must preach the gospel, that necessity is laid on them, though if they keep their mouth closed, they must continue. But it's also true for all Christians. All Christians have time again that urge to speak about it with others. Because they are also partakers of the anointing of Christ. That's why when the Lord gives you a new heart, you become mission-minded. 
you look at people in different ways. You see in, on airports or in other places, lots of people, you think, they are the soul. I like to talk to them. How can you do that? How can I make contact? So you don't have to be passive for that. Anyone can do that. And then to reach out to people and head out the track or something. Because the Lord makes his people prophets. Let's go to the second thought. What is the priest? Who is the priest? And living as a priest, right? Now prophets are speaking on God's behalf to us. And priests are speaking to God on our behalf. The priest officiated to bring God and the sinner closer together. The reason why priests were needed was because sin separated people from God. Such a gulf, such a distance between the sinner and the Lord. And a priest is needed to bring them together. The priest sacrificed on behalf of the people, prayed for them. And yet the blood of the animals did not suffice. And even the high priest could not give reconciliation. Yet the priest blessed the people, like Zechariah was supposed to bless the people when he came outside again. Priests are often moved with compassion over the people. And the very fact that God had given priests to Israel was because the Lord delighted in mercy. The Lord wanted to bridge that gulf. So therefore the Lord gave priests interested, as he was, in forgiving their sins. And yet the most God-fearing high priest could not bring on atonement. Even if he went numerous times into the temple, he, it never sufficed. Always every year he had to go there again. As we have read also in Hebrews 9, the priests were called to sacrifice. They also had to sacrifice for themselves. They were also praying for the people, making intercession, but they could not do it. So we need the high priest. And Lord Jesus is that high priest, someone without sin himself. So God the Father would really listen to him. Someone who did not have to sacrifice for himself first. Someone who could sacrifice himself. The priest sacrificed animals. The priest sacrifices himself. The priest, the only high priest, the Messiah, he sacrificed the perfect sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 10. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Christ was going to give his own blood, his own body. He was going to, to, to sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice. 
Hebrews 9, we just heard it. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. You hear that? The high priest went into the earthly tabernacle, made with hands, right? That's clear. The Lord Jesus is also a high priest, but he did not go into the temple to do that. He went to the temple above. The temple, the holy place, heaven. But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, to be an intercessing high priest, to pray for his people and to pray for them that must also be converted. He was a priest in a very special way. His priests were from the tribe of Levi, right? And the Lord Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. So how could the Lord Jesus ever be a high priest? He did not, not, not qualify. It's impossible. It's a hoax. No, it isn't. The Lord Jesus was also a high priest. We call him a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was not from Levi. Melchizedek was not from Judah. He was an outsider. He was a very unique, very unique person. The king of Salem and the priest of the Most High God. And so the Lord Jesus is a very unique high priest. Not from Judah, but from outside. Therefore, we need him to intercede for us. I read in Hebrews 7, verse 25, Therefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So it is necessary for sinners to come to God in prayer, in faith, by him, by Christ. So him being the intercessor, and through him, he brings to God how encouraging, how encouraging that Christ brings to God those that come through him. He always prays, even when his own people do, do not pray anymore. When they are forgotten, they look warm, when they're cold, and they are too busy. He keeps paying for them. He is the high priest. Who needeth not daily, not daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice first for his own sin and then for the sin of the sin of the people. For this he did once when he offered up himself. So the Lord Jesus did not offer 
anything else but himself, and he did it only once. When he sacrificed himself, and he said, when he said it's finished, the veil of the temple was renting from the top to the bottom, and the Lord Jesus said, this is open now. The door is open. Therefore, this does not need to be repeated anymore. Christ is the high priest. Therefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice his offering, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So the Lord Jesus sacrificed himself, sacrificed his own body to make satisfaction for sin, so to save people and to save them completely and to save them at once. See, you do not only need to know the way of salvation by the prophet, you need also someone to pay for you and someone to intercede for you and someone to bless you. And that is the Lord Jesus. So seek him in the words, seek him in that cradle. And then in the third place, in the second thought, living as a priest. So the first thought was a prophet, what is a prophet, the prophet, and living as a prophet. And here, what is a priest, who is the priest, the high priest, and what is it to live as a priest? <clears throat> Is there still something to sacrifice left for God's people? Or can we say, no, there is nothing they can sacrifice anymore. They don't have to. Because Lord Jesus paid the entire price. So don't talk with me about, the Lord, about God's people needing to sacrifice. The sacrifice is offered. Period. Well... I'm not so sure. The Bible still speaks of God's people sacrificing. Not as a payment. Not at all. But yet God's people sacrifice still. That is their work. But what do they offer still today? Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So God's people's service, their holiness, He's presenting their own bodies as a living sacrifice. That is Christian living. Christian living is sacrificing yourself, your whole being, your entire body. It's not my body. It's not my soul. It's, it's all for the Lord. I'd like to give everything back to him. He is so worthy of it. So God's people need to be priests by sacrificing themselves to give themselves up unto the Lord all the time. 
or Hebrews 13. By him, therefore, let us offer, let us offer, see that? Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So God's children are called to be priests, not only to sacrifice their bodies, also to sacrifice praise to God continually. Do you know something of that? Do you know of that praising of God? Those sacrifices are acceptable to God. Those sacrifices are a contrite heart and a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So what did we see so far? That God's people sacrifice their own body and they sacrifice praise to God. And 1 Peter 2 verse 5, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So it is also doing good works in thankfulness, not to pay, but to render God gratitude. Psalm 50, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the most holy. But you may not think about this, singing. Singing is the duty of God's people as priests. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. And even collections for the church and for relief are mentioned. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God is well pleased, and his people are also generous. See? So do we know something of this sacrificing life? There is, we know what, what, the, what the priest is. To bless, to sacrifice, to intercede. We also have seen that the Lord Jesus says the high priest who went in once in the temple, not made with hands, and it was finished, was enough, and yet to live also as a priest is important. Brings to the third thought. What is a king? Who is the king? And living as a king. We all know what a king is. In the Bible, Saul was the first king of Israel. Before that, many nations had a king, but not Israel. Israel had patriarchs, Leaders like Moses and judges like Gideon, but no permanent monarchs, no kings. And the people complained over that to Samuel. They said, they all have a king. We like king as well. 
And Samuel took that heart and also said, you have a king, don't you? The Lord is your king, right? You say, no, we want the king ourselves, a real king. He warned them. He said, don't do that. You will regret it. He will take your fields, your vineyards, your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tent of your seat and of your vineyards and give to his his officers and to his servants. So Samuel discouraged the people, asking for a king. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. See, so Samuel said, Don't ask for a king. You don't need one. It only causes trouble. They said, no, we want the king. Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. He said, Lord, this is what I heard from the people. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go ye every man into the city. And he will make sure they have a king. So that's why Saul was chosen. Because the Lord said, well, if you really want one, I will give you one. But it was a gift out of his left hand. Who is the king? The king is, of course, the son of David. Remember the story about the building of the temple. David was eager to build the temple of the Lord, and the Lord said, no, I don't need a house. I will make you a house. I will make you a kingdom. And that's what the Lord did. And the Lord promised David there will always be someone on the throne in eternity. Jesus was king, but not a king of an earthly kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from thence. So the Lord Jesus was a king. He fought. He battled. He conquered for his people. He slew Satan. He conquered death also through the resurrection. And he is king forever. Let the nations tremble. Ephesians 1, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him up from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, 
far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in the world, but also in that which is to come. He has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So Christ, the Lord Jesus, is in heaven. He is king. He rules. He governs. He protects. He continues with his work. Also in other places, if you read about this, Philippians 2, that at the name of Jesus, every, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Because someday the Lord Jesus will come back as king and he will establish his kingdom, the eternal kingdom, and he will be king forever. So what is a king and who is the king? And now living as a king. Let's go back to the first pages of the Bible. Adam was a king. He governed the garden. Adam was a prophet, wasn't he? He spoke and he sang of the Lord, and the truth was hidden. In paradise, he sacrificed himself, gave himself to God. But do you know what happened? And they lost their office. No king anymore, no priest anymore, no prophet any longer. But the Lord Jesus came, and the Holy Spirit was given, and the Lord worked almightily in the hearts of sinners, so that among sinners the Lord yet recruited again kings for himself. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So the church of God is a royal priesthood. Royalty. A peculiar people. That ye should show forth the praises of him has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Be a king. Also the Heiberg Catechism speaks about that. Also in the second question. But why are thou called Christian? And you see at the very bottom also that we with a free and good conscience may fight against sin and Satan in this life. So that is the battle going on. That is why God's children need to fight and use the armor of God to fight sin and Satan. It goes on. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
But especially think of the time after the second coming of Christ. There shall be no night there, and they need no candle, need the light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. On the, in the new kingdom, God's people all be kings. I'll be prophets again. I'll be priests again. I'll be sacrificing everything to him. Always speaking well of the Lord. And always always reign with him. To him that overcometh that I grant that to sit with me in my throne. So God's people are sitting with Christ in the throne. Even as so I overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Congregation, this life is not completely satisfying. Cannot be. This life is a continual death. Solomon, King Solomon, tried to make himself happy. It never worked. But this is a satisfied life. This is really making a difference. If we may live as a prophet, and live as a priest, and live as a king, in dependence upon the Lord, united with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, being a partaker of him by faith. See, do you see that? Why art thou called a Christian? Because I am a member of Christ by faith. The faith, the true faith connects. True faith connects God's people to the Savior. And that makes them to also be partakers of his anointing. So they are chosen as well, and equipped as well, and for a purpose. The purpose of glorifying God. Eternity will be set aside. Always be subordinate prophets, priests and kings, always subjects to the supreme prophet, priest and king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you sharing the anointed with Christ? We need to be in him by true faith in order to become priests, prophets, and kings. So let us go back to one piece and remind you he is the prophet. He can teach you. He knows how to bind up the broken heart of that's the type of Savior we preach you. To seek your salvation only in Him. And to have that peace without understanding. Beyond understanding. Unspeakable peace and unspeakable joy. Amen.